Good morning, everyone. Are you alive and well? Well, do me a favor. I just like to have the right atmosphere here. I want you to find somebody seated next to you and just wish them a happy Sabbath and thank them for being here today. Some of you are wishing a little more enthusiastically than we should. Uh, <laughs> why don't, before we begin, let's pray together and pray that God will be with us. Father God, we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you for this group of people who've gathered for great music, for the opportunity we've had to just spend time in your presence. And we pray now that as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit will be present and that we will experience a blessing. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you're going to hear a, a strange accent while I'm up here. That's because I was born in Zimbabwe. How many know where Zimbabwe is? All right, and I spent some time in South Africa. So if at any time you don't understand what I'm saying, you just, you just lift up your hands and you just say, help him, Jesus, and I'll know what to do. How many of you like waiting? Anyone here like waiting? I do not, well, there's a, there's a patient man right over there. I do not like waiting. You know, when the, when the light turns red, I have to control myself. Are you following me? You know, just, just kind of take a deep breath. When I get into the fast lane and somebody decides they're on a Sunday afternoon drive and I'm just about to lay my hand on, you know, and, and honk my horn, I have to remember that on the back of my car it says BibleUniverse.com. <laughs> I do not like waiting, and I'm sure there's times when each of us have been a little frustrated with delays. Uh, I just, one time I went to an urgent care facility. That is not named correctly. <laughs> At least doctors have it right. It's called a what? A waiting room, a chance to catch up on a 1983 Reader's Digest. And so... <laughs> You know, when I look at the Bible, I have discovered certain things. And, and, and one thing that's very clear as you go through the Bible is that the Bible says that God likes waiting. And I'm just going to throw out a couple of texts here at the beginning before we go into today's story. Uh, Lamentations 3, verse 26. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 26. Now, of course, you've got to find Lamentations first. And the easiest way to find that is Jeremiah... And uh, right after Jeremiah, you're going to find Lamentations. And looking at verse 25 to begin before we get to verse 26, Lamentations 3 and verse 25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him to the soul that seeketh Him. Lamentations 3 verse 26, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. As I've gone through the Bible, I've discovered time after time, the Bible says that we have to wait. It says, you want to have a Messiah? You're going to have to wait 4,000 years. And it comes down to the end of time, and it says we have to wait again. Another text, Psalm 27, verse 14, a few books back, Psalm 27, verse 14. And again, it tells us that we have to wait, Psalm 27 and verse 14. 
It says this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He will do what? Strengthen your heart. Wait, he repeats, I say, on the Lord. And so here throughout the Bible, there is this command to wait. And I know some of us are challenged with waiting. There are some who've been waiting for the right person to come along. And they've been waiting and waiting. They've had a few false starts, and they're still finding that that person isn't there. And then there are others who've been waiting for the right missionary opportunity, been waiting and waiting, and it just never seems to come. There have been some who have been waiting for their studies to be finished. How many of you are in that category? <laughs> All right. You're waiting. One day, I'm not going to have to work and study. I can just work. Uh, you just work a lot longer. And so there's this waiting. There's some here, you know, who are about to get married, and they've been waiting for months for this day that's going to come tomorrow. And they've been waiting. How, when is it going to come? And this weekend... My wife spoke to Tim and Sonny just a, a little while ago, and she's, uh, when we were on our way here, she says, they sound really excited. I said, honey, they're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been waiting for this day. And so when we go through the Bible, we find that God does ask us to wait. Divine delay creeps into our lives. So we're going to turn to a story in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to find some principles for waiting. Genesis chapter 12. And reading in verse 1, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. I'm waiting for you to get there. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I have found that the reason why we wait is because God has given us a promise. Are you following me? Why do we wait? Because we have a promise that we hang on to. Why do we wait to open our Christmas or our birthday presents? Because we believe that that, that wrapping is a promise that something good is waiting for us. Why do we wait for certain things? Like why do we wait on sexuality? Because we believe that God has something better waiting for us. You see, waiting is based on the promise of something better. Are you all following me? So here we have Abraham, Abraham at this stage being promised that he will be a great nation. What an incredible promise this is. His prosperity will be through, known throughout the world. He will be a blessing to all nations. He will bless. He will have a, a name, a nation named after him. He has these incredible promises that are given to him by God. And he can hold on, he can endure anything, he can go through anything because he has this promise. Amen? And so when we have the promise of something better, why would we trade it for anything less? This becomes the core of Abraham's existence. Now keep Genesis open and we're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 12. The other end of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, Hebrews 11, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to God into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, he did what? Obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath 
foundations whose builder and maker is God. What was Abraham really waiting for? What was he waiting for? He was waiting for a heavenly country, a heavenly city. He had his eyes focused not on the present, but on the future. And one of the reasons why I found it's difficult for us to wait is because we're a microwave generation. We want it now. <laughs> it used to be that we were happy to wait for eight-minute noodles. But now what do we have? Instant noodles, right? The staple of every single student. And so we are waiting. We're anticipating something, but we find that it takes too long because our focus is on the present. We're a generation that when we want entertainment, we simply have to flick a switch. When we want to have fast food, we just have to drive around the corner and get it in five minutes. If we want to satisfy, if we want to create sexual expectations, it's just a flick of a mouse, and we're right there. And so we do the shortcuts because we live in the present instead of having our expectation on the future. Are you following me? Our generation tends to be one that lives for the present. Instead, we find in the Bible that we're called to wait on the future. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just a few books back from where we were. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And right near the end of that chapter, verse 16. For it says, For which cause we faint not, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We're able to wait, folks, because we believe that we have something better. For it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are, what? Seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What God is asking us to do, folks, is He's asking us to place our hope, our vision on His reality and not on ours. Are you following me? He's asking for us to say, look, I know right now, right now you are focused on what you need. You're focused on your loneliness. You're focused on your career. You're focused on your opportunities. But he says, I have something better in mind for you if you're willing to do what? To wait for it. And so God gives Abraham a promise, and he says, you need to wait now, there was an experiment, and you probably know of it, done at Stanford University with four-year-olds. I have a four-year-old, so this is very relevant to me. They put a marshmallow in front of the four-year-old, and then they had a camera on, and they had a teacher in the room, and the, and the teacher said to the student, if you're willing to wait here, I'm going to go out, and when I come back, you'll get not one marshmallow, but two. And so the teacher disappeared for about 15 minutes, and the camera's focused on the kid. And there's this four-year-old kid with a marshmallow sitting on a plate in front of it. And it, the kid starts squirming. You can see the little wheels turning. Marshmallow now or two marshmallows later. And so some of the kids couldn't help themselves. They grabbed that marshmallow and ate it. And as soon as the teacher came back inside, she says, Sorry, you lost your second marshmallow. But some kids were able to sit and wait. 
and they were waiting. When the teacher came back in, the kid got two marshmallows. Now, what they did was they traced those kids over a period of like 15 years to see how those kids would do. Those who were the one marshmallow kids, they were able to focus in school. They were able to solve conflict. And by the time they got to the SAT scores, they ended up 200 points higher than the one marshmallow kids. Those who were able to wait for their marshmallow were 200 SAT points. Is that how it works? Is it SAT? I, I came from a British system. We different. So they were able to do so much better after 15 years, they were so much better than those who couldn't wait. And what is the principle involved here? It's the principle of delayed gratification. Those kids that have learned how to delay gratification do much better in life. And those who are wanting to get it right now, they don't do as well. Does that make sense to everyone? And so what we need to do is we need to say, are we looking for something better or are we trying to get it now? My best illustration of this was when I went to a banquet when I was in college. They, uh, the banquet was taking forever. You know when the food never arrives? And so we were seated at a table, and they kept bringing out, guess what? White rolls. And so here were these cheap white rolls, and we started eating those white rolls because we were hungry. And it took like an hour for the food to come. And eventually they brought out this delicious Food. I mean, just absolutely steaming vegetarian buffet. It was incredible. And they put it down in front of us. And guess what? None of us were hungry. We had filled up on cheap 30-cent white rolls. In the same way, folks, God is asking us to believe in His promise that He is something better for us. But what happens is we want the shortcut and we want it now. Let's take a look at what happens with Abraham. Go back to Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 13, and let's see how Abraham develops. All right, I'm going to go back to, to Genesis 13, and let's see. First, no, Genesis chapter 12. I'm just finding myself in my notes here. There we go, Genesis chapter 12. And look at what happens here. So the Lord, verse 1, we read, The Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. Somehow we have an expectation that when God asks us to wait, He's going to make it pleasant. He's going to sit us down in a chair and He's going to say, Listen, here's some iced tea. Here's the reason for the delay. You just hang on and eventually it's all going to work out. And so we have this expectation that waiting is comfortable. Not only do we find that waiting is the promise of something better, but we find that waiting is uncomfortable. Now, you take a look at just how uncomfortable it gets. He says he's going to make him a great nation. And it goes on in verse 6, and it says in verse 6, Abraham passed through the land of Shechem unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. Now, here's this land that God has promised to Abraham, and who's dwelling there? Who were the Canaanites? People who sacrificed their children. Who were the Canaanites? People who were mean and vicious. And so Abraham arrives at this land, this promised land, and what does he find? It's already occupied by other people. Were they like, oh, Abraham, come on in. We'll give you as much land as we need. No. They were people that he had to, 
he had to negotiate with. He had to, he had to work in very difficult circumstances. Look at verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. Here's what happens. God tells Abraham, I have a promise for you. It's something better. It's a land I'm going to show you. But when he gets there, he finds, is he going to get it right away? No. He has to wait for it. There's a famine. There are people in the land. This is not at all like what he wanted. And so I found that God makes waiting uncomfortable. God tells us that we are not going to be able to survive unless we depend on Him. As we go through the Bible, Psalm 37 verse 7, it says, Fret not, wait patiently. Psalm 40 verse 1, wait patiently on the Lord. I found that God has a reason why He makes waiting uncomfortable. Can you guess what that reason would be? To develop patience. To develop patience. And so what I've found is that when you get into a waiting situation, God is there to develop your character. Waiting is about character development. Amen? How many of you like character development? Any of you ever prayed for patience? I did. That's how I ended up with three kids. <laughs> and so when we are in the midst of a waiting situation, we have to say, how can we go through this? How can we make it through and God is saying, I have a purpose here. I want to develop your character. Waiting is God's maturing process. Now, here's what I've found when it comes to relationships. In relationships, we don't tend to wait. We tend to go by feelings. You all following me? In relationships, we tend to go by feelings. So I remember the one time when I fell totally in love with someone who was not going to become my wife. And, and I went to this treadmill, and as I was on this treadmill, I, I just kept hearing her name over and over again as I'm running on the treadmill. Shawnee, 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 Shawnee. And it got to be so bad, the more I ran, the more desperate I was to just go and pour out my heart to her. So I ran across to her dormitory, and I, and, I, and I called her down. And when she came down, I suddenly realized I had no words to say because all I could think of was Shawnee. Shawnee. And there she walks down, and I can hear, Shawnee, Shawnee, my heart's beating inside of myself. And here she's coming out, and I'm experiencing feelings, but this is not God's will. Any of you ever been in that situation? Come on, a few brave hands. You're always brave. I'm impressed, you know. <laughs> All right, so, so here we have this expectation that, that we can have what we feel, what we want right now. And that's what's happening is what I call instant intimacy. We have this desire for instant intimacy. If I desire to be intimate with a person, I want it right now. I want to hold their hand now. I want to be connected with them right now. When we come into worship, we want instant intimacy with God. And so in some places, they will work up your feelings and your emotions. And as your emotions are worked up, you start feeling closer to God. And you want this instant intimacy. You may have been missing God all during the week, but you expect somehow the worship service is going to bring you into the presence of God. And you're going to have that, that instant intimacy in a moment. Are you all following me? And so instead of waiting to develop a relationship with God, we expect the worship service to do it in just a couple of hours. And if it doesn't do it for us, we go, I didn't get anything out of today's service. Why? Because I didn't feel God was there. And we, we sometimes feel with a spouse, speaking to the married couples, suddenly it's not as as romantic and as, and as fiery as it used to be. And we think we've lost our love. 
But God is teaching us as we wait upon each other that character development and intimacy takes time. Are you following me? And so when we get to Abraham, he's been taught through difficult circumstances to wait on God. And that's the next point. Waiting develops faith. Go over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 and verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham, at this stage, we don't know how long it's been, but it's certainly been a number of years. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go? Childless. And the only person to inherit anything is my servant. And then in verse 3, he says, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and no one born in my house is mine heir. And verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, thou shalt not, This shalt not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you can number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy, thy seed be. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now follow what happens here. Here is Abraham saying, Lord, I've waited for a number of years. Maybe it's been five, six years now. And every time, you know, my wife and I, we've been excited. We've been waiting every month to see that we're going to have a child. But now we've come down through all these years, and still there is no child. What does Abraham get in response to his question? He gets another promise. He says, wait, I've promised that your seed will be like the stars. You just wait on me. And what does Abraham do in response to that? He believes. And this is this famous righteousness by faith. Because he believes, God credits it to him for righteousness. And so when we come to waiting, waiting is there so that we can learn to depend on God and not on ourselves. When we learn to depend on God instead of ourselves, we learn that God is developing our hearts. He's helping us to trust in Him. Go over now to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And I know we're looking up the Bible. I hope you're used to doing that. Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall do what? Give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, what do you need to do to delight thyself in the Lord? Look at verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. What's the next word? Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. You see, we all have desires in our hearts. We all desire something that only God can give us. But we have to hand that desire into God's hands, and He, in response, will give us the desires of our heart. As we trust God, He in turn takes our desires and hands them back to us. Waiting develops trust. It helps us to see that without God, we could never achieve what we really desire. Without God, we would never be able to have what is the deepest need on our hearts met. Without God, we would be in a mess. Waiting develops that kind of trust that says, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand why it is that I can't have the relationship I'm looking for right now. But God, I trust you. 
I don't understand why it is, why I'm struggling with, with my studies and I have to retake mathematics. But God, I trust you. Are you following me? It is a sign of trust because waiting says that it is now out of your control. Waiting develops faith. I remember when I was uh, deciding to study theology, I believed God had laid everything out and He had provided everything for me to go. And so I, I, I was going to South Africa to study theology from Zimbabwe and I knelt down by my bed and I said, God, I want to go open the doors. And all the doors seemed to open except for one. I needed a visa to go to South Africa. And so I booked my plane ticket in faith and I got ready to go and my visa had not arrived. And so I said to God, all right, you know, you were just testing me. I rebooked my ticket for a few days later. We called around to the embassy. We tried to get the visa, nothing. Three days later, my bags were still packed, but there was no visa. It came down to the last day that I could go. I booked my ticket for the very last day that I could still register and be in class. And so now it was the last day, and it was about noon, my flight was at four in the afternoon, and there was still no visa. I got down on my knees, and I said, Lord, I realize that I haven't surrendered this to you. I trust you. If you don't want me to become a minister, then I accept that. And I started to cry because with all my heart, I wanted to be a minister. And so as I was crying there beside my bed and handing it totally over to him, suddenly the phone rang, and it was the embassy. Now, since when does an embassy call you? <laughs> and the embassy said, your visa's here, hurry and get it. We got all my bags in the car. I was already packed. We raced down to the embassy, and I got on the plane an hour. I got to the airport an hour before the plane was due to leave. And I got on that plane and I was thanking God because I realized He had been waiting for me to trust Him. Waiting, you see, depends on God's timing and God's solutions. Go with me back to Genesis. And let's see, when you don't wait on God, what happens. Genesis 16, verse 2. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 2. And notice that uh, now the problem is not Abraham, but Sarah. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Genesis 16, verse 2, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Who does she blame? The Lord. I pray thee, go into my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. So here we have Abraham has been waiting, but at last... Sarai says, look, you've been telling me for years, God has given you these promises, God is going to take us through, God has promised something better, but I've waited 11 years now, that's how long it took, 11 years, I've waited 11 years, and at this stage, there is still no child, so I've got another solution, and they weren't willing to wait, and so they became impatient, and you can't blame Sarah for getting tired of it all. She's waited and waited and waited. She's been wondering every month if that queasy feeling was just bad garlic bread or really if it was pregnancy. And at the end, she says, I'm tired of playing this game. Let's see if the Lord has shut up my womb. Maybe we're supposed to do something about this. 
We had, in one of my uh, Amazing Facts College of Evangelism classes, we had a young lady who came to me saying, look, I, I'm tired of waiting for God to tell this person that they're supposed to date me. <laughs> so I've made a pact with the Lord. I said, Lord, if he brings me some flowers, if he brings me roses and puts them on my doorstep, then I'll know that he's the one. But I've waited and waited, and there'll be no roses on the doorstep. Now, I know I can't tell this person what he's supposed to do, but I thought you could. <laughs> and so I said, no, I can't make a sign work for you. <laughs> we need to wait on God and not become impatient. Can you say amen? amen? We need to be willing to wait for God to fulfill His promises. And so Abraham creates a mess, and we still deal with it today. There are consequences for every poor decision we make. When you decide to date somebody who's not part of God's plan, well, you know, he's a nice guy, and he's the only one who's available around here, you know, who I like. And, and so why not, Lord? You know, we, I... I we're just going to be friends and see how it goes, you know, hold hands, friends, you know, that kind of friendship. And so we, we rush ahead of God, and in our impatience, we end up rushing into situations that create problems for us. Now, again, let's be honest. How many of you have done this kind of thing? I'm not talking about relationships, but you've rushed into it. You've done it. Thank you for your hand again. All right. So we've always rushed into situations where, where we know this has created problems, and God tells us that if we're wanting to follow Him, we need to wait upon His timing. And that brings me to my next point. Waiting is dependent on God's timing. Notice what happens next in Genesis 17. Genesis 17 and verses 1 through 4. Now when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Verse 2, and I will make my covenant with, between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Seven times Abraham is promised that he will be the father of, of many nations, that he will inherit the land. And here God promises him again, but this time there is a difference. He is saying, this will happen. This is going to take place. And neither shalt thou name any more be called Abraham, but thy name shall be, be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. You see, folks, God has been telling him, I have my timing. How old is Abraham, is Abraham at this stage? 99. How old is Sarah? 89, right? So 99 and 89... And it is impossible at this stage for them to produce a child. Why did God make them wait until this time? Character building, yes, but why else? Because it was impossible, right? Because God wanted to do something that they could not do on themselves. He wanted to show that this was a miracle. And because we want to rush timing... Because we want to rush into something, we often take away God's miracle for our lives. You remember when Lazarus died, how Jesus waited before he came back? Why did he wait? Because he wanted to perform a 
miracle. You see, God does His best when we're at our worst. Are you following me? God does His best when we can't do anything. God does His best when your options have run out. When I got to the end of my rope, when I thought that there were no more girls, and it was true in South Africa that I could date, there was, no, that sounded bad, didn't it? That there, <laughs> there, was, there was no one else who was available. At that time, God sent me shopping internationally. And I ended up with a girl from Arkansas. That's why our kids are African-American. All right. So, so God sends us to the end of our rope because He knows that's when He can perform a miracle. And I want to encourage you, folks. If you think that this is the end, if you think there's no more, that God cannot do anything else, remember if God has promised it, He will do it but in His own timing, in His own way. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, My soul waits for the Lord. My expectation is from Him. Amen? I can wait on God because He is the one who will bring it to pass in His timing, in His way. Genesis chapter 18, three men come to visit Abraham, and they tell them, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all the details, they tell him that at this time next year, you will have a child at the appointed time. God already had his time. He was waiting for Abraham to reach a point where he knew he could not bring it to pass. It would depend on God to perform a miracle. Today, some of you are struggling with how to trust God with what he's going to do. Some of you are struggling with a career choice. Some of you are struggling with a sexual choice. Some of you are struggling with a relationship choice. And I want to tell you, folks, that God is going to be faithful to His promise. But He's not going to accept any half-hearted solutions that you make. Did God ever accept Ishmael as the son of the promise? No. In fact, very clearly in there, He says, I will make a covenant with Isaac. And so God does not accept our half-hearted attempts to produce our own solutions to our loneliness problems, to our work problems. God instead says, you wait on me, and in my timing, I will bring it to pass. You may be in a relationship. I'm not talking about a marriage relationship, but a dating relationship that you know is not of God's doing. And God is saying, get out of that relationship and wait on me. You may be in in a situation where you know you're compromising, maybe it's a work situation, and you're compromising, and God says, you need to compromise no longer. You need to depend on me. Are you following me, folks? Because as you wait on me, I will give you the desires of your heart. My wife was on her way out to see me. She wasn't my wife back then. We were dating, and she was coming to see me in Africa. And it was... Oh, let's see, it was December of 2000. And there she was on her way out. She was going to see her boyfriend. She was all excited about it. She had her tickets. She went to New York City. She slept at someone's apartment. And then she got, got up in the morning to go, go on the uh, subway system out to the airport. She traveled on the subway system, got into a taxi and everything else, finally made it to the airport, walked up to the counter, it's about two hours ahead of time. She's on time. She gets up to the counter, and she looks for her ticket, and her ticket is gone. 
She looks inside her whole bags. She can't find it anywhere. She looks inside everything. The ticket is missing. And so she begins frantically to tell the person at the counter, look, I need to get on the plane. Isn't my name on the, on the roster there? He says, sorry, ma'am. That's a paper ticket. The only way you can get on the plane is if you find that ticket. She says, isn't there any other way to get a ticket? She says, if you buy a new one, you can get a ticket. She says, there's no way I can afford a brand new ticket. And so she calls back to uh, the person who owns the apartment. He calls a neighbor. The neighbor goes into the apartment, looks all over the apartment. No ticket can be found. And at last, she realizes as the clock is ticking that she's going to miss the plane. And she kneels down in front of that suitcase, and she just, she's crying by now. And she says, Lord, if this man is not for me, I accept it. And then she hears, as it were, a voice that says, open the map. She goes back to the map that she's already looked at. She pulls it out of the, its pocket, and she flings open the map. And there the ticket falls to the ground. She grabs that ticket, runs to the counter. One of the men helps her there. And she makes it. She's the last person on the plane. They close the doors after her. And now, once again, she's crying. There's a woman for you. <laughs> but now, there are tears of joy. Why? Because she knows that she has waited and trusted in God. And He has given her the desire of her heart. Today, folks, if you're willing to trust God, if you're willing to make a commitment to depend on Him, I want you to stand with me this morning. If you're willing to say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you no matter where it leads. I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to decide to trust you. If it takes 25 years for the promise to come about, I will trust you with the desires of my heart. Let's pray together. Father God, we all face things that are challenging for us. Some of us have been struggling to trust you with the deepest desires of our heart. And right now, this morning, we dedicate those desires to you. Help us to look at the better things that you have in mind for us. To not live in the, in the present or to become impatient, but to trust your promises. Father, when we feel like giving up, when we feel like creating a mess, help us to recognize that your timing is perfect. For we ask these things, knowing that you want what's best for our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.